What will become of Dawn and Betty? What's gonna happen to Pete and Peggy? For Kate, it's a mystery. For Ashley, a mystery. It's time to hear Mad Women. Hey! Hi! That legitimately surprised me. <laughs> I am a legitimately surprising person, you and I'm are. legitimately happy Aww. to see you today, Ashley. I'm happy to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. It's been a it's bigger been. gap. It's been one week since you looked at me. <laughs> okay. Sitting on the couch to record I just needed, podcasts. I, okay. Nope. Nothing. That's fine. You love it. <laughs> you love it so much. Well, welcome to Mad Women, listeners. Hello. It's been a minute. It's been with a minute. NPR's Sam Sanders. Uh, we. I hope you all enjoyed our improvisational "It's a Gas" ep with Dylan Anderson. Dylan Anderson, Earth Angel. As Bridger Weiniger describes people. Okay. I and don't know who that is. Bridger Weiniger? Yeah. He is a guy who is like a, been a TV writer for late night people mm. and like now writes on maybe Black Monday or something. And he hosts the podcast, I Said No Gifts. Oh. And it's a delightful podcast where he has people on and then he he forces them to bring a gift, but also then he yells at them. <laughs> Because he said, I said no gifts. <laughs> and okay. then uh, the promo, it also it always labels him as gracious host and the guest as disrespectful guest. <laughs> and the theme song is by Amy Mann, and it's fantastic. Okay. So that's I Said No Gifts. We are Mad Women. I'm Kate, and uh, I've seen every episode of Mad Men a few times. I started talking too early, and I'm Ashley. She doesn't know anything. I don't know shit. She doesn't know how to talk. I, I'm a dummy. She's a real dummy. A I'm real the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> and Ashley's the bad girl. Hey. I'm wearing a different kind of headphone than normally. You're in, struggling. In that it is a headphone and I can't hear Ashley as well when I'm actually wearing them. <laughs> I could do that thing where it says listen to, but... <laughs> Try it. Why would I? See if it helps. Now listen to me in your headphones. Put me in your cans, Kate. I don't know how to do that. Okay, well, you had said it so authoritatively a second ago where like, I could do this thing that I assumed you knew how. I know. I did say that. But mm, here I am <laughs> not doing it or knowing how. That's okay. Did we have any oopsie daisies from that show six months ago? No, listen, I don't think so. I don't. It was so long ago that I don't mm-hmm. remember. So I'm going to go ahead and assume. That we yeah. were perfect. That's a great assumption that I think we should both make. Okay. I can't imagine anything that we would do wrong. And listen, if it, by this point nobody has come forward, true, then we're in the clear. That's a really good point. You get a two-week window yeah. to there, call us on our bullshit. There's a statute of limitations. Exactly. So if someone, you know, three years from now, our podcast is the biggest thing on the iTunes charts. Right. And all of our new fans who are following our uh, community communitina podcast that's where we review community (laughs) episode by episode they're like you fuck this up in the fog and we're gonna say no we're gonna talk about season three episode sticks sticks episode river sticks (laughs) guy walks into an advertising agency yeah and before we get to the meat of the matter we need to know Ashley predicted. Ashley predicted for season three, episode six, that Don 
sleeps slash smooches slash dates someone in this episode or the following episode. Oh. Like there was some, I guess, sleeps with smooches or dates. Okay. Uh, Somebody. Who's not Betty. Doesn't want to be a good husband. He wants to get away from the new Eugene. Oh. And says, she wants me lay her. (laughs) I don't know why that says that. so long i have no idea what she wants me lay her that is a direct quote (laughs) no idea what that could mean okay i hope listeners in the future enjoy that (laughs) betty has postpartum psychosis she's hallucinating she's not in her right mind it might be caused by the square-headed baby Mm. sally keeps a brick in her backpack (laughs) she uses it on anyone who says anything okay and there are blood spatters that <gasps> kill Bill. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> That's okay. Now listen. Yeah. Of all the things to be correct about, yeah, that yeah is wild. I was really excited when you predicted that because I knew that this was the. This is an episode where I was like, "Which ep does that happen in?" <laughs> and so that's like I knew it was coming in this particular Wowza. episode. Bobby mechanically uses his arms in the playground, <laughs> saying "oil can" like the Tin Man, which inspires the actual character. Mm, uh, right, timeline right. be damned. <laughs> Peggy takes more me- meetings with uh, more agencies and says, "It's my time" to everyone. Oh, right, right, right. It's my, it's my time. And Pete is being gross. And the lingo that was it. That you just said, Pete is being gross, and okay. I put a really big period. I think that was a thing. Just period. <laughs> The lingo was that either the baby or Pete would say, wah. Well, I nailed that one. You sure did nail that I one. I sure so. Is that just going to be your prediction for the next, like, year of this baby's life? Listen, don't <laughs> don't even try to get. Don't you try to predict my sorry. predictiones. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Predictions don't, having predictions. Don't predictception. 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 Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love it. So, a... Synopsis. That's the word. I should like write that word down. It's not a normal word for me to ever say. I want to say a summary. You could say a summary. It's the same thing. Yeah. There's if no. You can do it. Thank you for your support. <laughs> so Sterling Cooper receives a surprise visit from the Englishman. PPP. PPL. PPP. <laughs> Francine comes into Sterling Cooper. <laughs> Uh, the new baby is spooking Sally. Ooh. And Joan gets some unexpected news hmm. about her, uh, husband's career. It looks like you just made that up just now. Oh, I did. <laughs> it ended with news. And I was oh. like, this isn't good enough for Ashley. You need more. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give some more details. She's gonna yell at me. Is that what I'm known for? No, I just know that, like... The IMDb synopsi oh. are not really oh, sufficient. Suck. Yeah, I say for Ashley, I mean for the listener, because oh. I really do want it to be like useful. <laughs> well, now people. listen, as you're reading them, I am the listener. So if it is insufficient yeah. for me, it will be insufficient right. for them. Well, let me ask: Was that sufficient? That was pretty good. Awesome. I call that sufficient. I feel we are able to move forward because <laughs> this is an episode, honey. If this doesn't hit. 
all doozy meters, girl, then we we're going to have to there. redefine what doozy <laughs> means because this is a doozy to me. We going to get there. So it starts off with this ongoing theme where Don comes into Sally's room to turn off the light. There's a lot of Sally in bed and her mm-hmm. light. She's afraid of the light being off, but he, she knows that Don is not Thomas Edison. Yeah, that was a cute line. <laughs> and uh, she's afraid of what's going to happen when you turn off the lights. There's a couple times in here that Sally like anticipates. She's like becoming a good kid where she like remembers the things that her parents tell mm-hmm. her and she like reacts to them. Mm-hmm. But Don says that I'm home now and nothing can hurt you. And if you clean your room, we'll get you a nightlight. Yeah. Nothing can hurt you except for this mess. Right. Kicking all the stuff around <laughs> on her floor. Now, listen, that actually inspired me Ooh. with my own parenting because my uh-huh. girl's room is a dis- disaster. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. And I clean it. I clean it with them. Mm-hmm. They clean up sometimes. And immediately, yeah. it's like a tornado went through there. Yeah. They also sleep with a nightlight. Okay. I think what I should start doing is telling them they cannot have that nightlight if their room is not clean. Honestly, it's a pretty good... So every night, if they don't want to be terrified by the monsters that do, in fact, Uh live under their bed, they need to clean their room so that they can have their nightlight. Yeah. Um, Could you tie it in to say that, like, filth turns the light down? Like, it physically, there's an electromagnetic reason for it. They're like, DTE just sent me an email. <laughs> and they said, you know, if you don't, they can sense mm. where the dirt and the, yeah. and the toys are. And if it's not put away, they're not going to turn on this plug. Shit. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Or I'll name it like the Nightlight Fairy. There's okay. a lot of fairies that come to our house. Yeah. That are in charge of all sorts of things. There's the Tooth Fairy, of course. Obviously. But there was also the Pacifier Fairy. <laughs> What did the pacifier fairy do? Well, when you get to a certain age where you shouldn't have your pacifier anymore, yeah, the pacifier fairy comes and takes them, uh-huh. takes the pacifiers to give to the new babies. Aww. So you're too big for one. Yeah. The passy fairy, she needs it because they don't just make these things. They're passed no. on They're from baby pa- to baby. Passed on. Passed on. That's right. So the pacifier fairy comes and takes your passy yeah. and gives it to the new babies. That's really cute. Mm-hmm. Did Did it work? No. Okay. Not for either of my children. Great. For Dottie. <laughs> Keep trying. Yeah. For Dottie, when she was little, her the one pacifier she had left developed a little hole. Yeah. And or it had like a little flap. And so I cut oh. the flap off. She like uh-huh. nibbled it. And okay. so the like rubber had, you know, had a little cut. Mm-hmm. So it was a little flap. So I cut that off. And once there's a hole, you don't actually get the suction anymore. Mm, that's the point. Right? But she could still keep it in her mouth. Yeah. So she would. So I just sliced it down uh-huh. until it was smaller and smaller, <laughs> like every couple days. until, And she would still like just bite on uh-huh. it and keep it in there until it was so small that she literally <laughs> couldn't keep it in her mouth. And she put it in and it fell out. Uh-huh. And she put it in and it fell out and she picks it up and looked at it. Yeah. And then just handed it to us. Wow. And never asked about it ever again. That's incredible. Right? She was just like, well, apparently that's done now. I, I finished she, it. Yeah. She had no questions on why it was slowly How disappearing. How many licks does it get to the center of a pacifier? <laughs> yeah. A one. A two. There you go, mom. Yeah. All right. So Don, I wrote, he's dressed like he's headed to the racetrack. He's in like a <laughs> summery button down. It's, this is because I guess it's Sunday because mm. the next day is Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's in his leisure outfit and he turns on the lamp instead of the overhead light. And then we find out exactly what day it is the next day. Cause it's we get a July close up. 1st. It's 1 July 1963 because an Englishman wrote it. Right. 
Uh, I don't actually know how you're supposed to say that out loud. First July, I think. First Is that of really July? what they say? I think. Do they yeah. never say July 1st? No, I don't think so. First July. That offends 23rd me. September. I think Ugh. that's how they say it. Now, I should know. Yeah, tell your mom I'm mad about that. Okay, I'll let her know. Thank you. I'll send a letter home to the family <laughs> across the pond. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> and stop spelling jail, G-A-O-L. What? That's a way that English people will spell jail. Jail, like where you go to prison? Yeah. They spell it J-A-O-L? G-A-O-L. G-G-A-O-L. Yes. I don't believe this. To All be right. True. That's fine. You haven't read a lot of Victorian novels lately. <laughs> You're right. I have not. <laughs> I've read right. so many. That's jail. Yeah. According so, to Google. Just tell them that. So uh, this morning there's going to be a mandatory meeting at 9.15 on the main floor. And I was just going to ask you, what did you think was going to be announced? What, what were you expecting at this mandatory mm. meeting? Sabotage. Perfect. So Pete... Paul and Harry, they don't know what's going to happen. Ken's running late. Oh, Ken. Like he does. Cosgrove. And Don comes in just as it's starting. Because this is Monday morning, and they put out a memo that, like, hey, 15 minutes after work starts on Monday morning, we're going to have a big meeting. There's a mandatory meeting. What kind of a meeting? What kind of a memo is that? I just wrote, Hooker is being a little bitch. He's being, like, super... He thinks he's... He thinks he's running this whole King shit of Fuck Mountain. Yeah. (laughs) Which we've, I think we learned is because he's about to take over from Joan mm. and the British are coming. So the he's British are coming. fancy. So they're going to, uh, PPL, the head people are going to visit. It's, it's a friendly visit, but also they're going to evaluate everyone's performance. And it will occur from 10 a.m. July 2nd to July 3rd at some point, mm-hmm. which is a power move on their part because they were supposed to be closed on the 3rd because of the July 4th holiday. Cooper and Sterling ask Don to come speak with them. Then we see kind of everyone wandering off. Peggy is standing with the secretaries and they're like all very, very colorful. Yeah, there's a lot of color happening. Joan mm-hmm. looks, I mean, this whole entire episode, she yeah. looks unbelievable. Yeah. She's wearing the most beautiful royal blue mm. pencil dress. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. I know Hildy's in pink. Yeah. Peggy's in like a darker blue, maybe? I think no. she's in black and white yeah, she's, checkers. She wears the dark blue the next day yeah. or two. Joan just storms off. Well, isn't this perfect? She's mad about she's something. Pissed. She's real pissed. And the older secretary, who was like the Peggy's old lady secretary, mm-hmm. says, well, we'll move it from lunch to the end of the day. So did you... It's like clearly there's something was planned. Yeah, there's some... Well, I thought it was like a shower or something. Right. I thought maybe somebody was pregnant yeah then i was like nah joan wouldn't be pregnant it was clearly whatever it was was for joan exactly i got so i got the sense that it was for joan but Mm -hmm. i figured it was some sort of shower yeah like that's what you usually have those kind of parties with yeah they'd ordered a cake uh it was gonna be hard so her last day is supposed to be the second of july and they were supposed to have a party that day but now it's ruined because greg finds out about his residency and they're Mm -hmm. gonna go off to celebrate oh boy did you did you figure like oh yeah we're gonna lose Joan? No, That's of course not. <laughs> no, I knew immediately yeah. he's How not we... getting this residency. Yeah, Joan's not going anywhere. Yeah, because it's been established he's a shitty doctor. It's well surgeon. right. It's been established yeah. he's a shitty doctor, and it's also been established that she's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, and this show would be out of their mind <laughs> right. to get rid of Joan in the middle of the third season. Right. There's still a lot of madmen to come. There's so much madmen. 
Her curves are going to be in it. Yeah, she's the one that we're here for. You can't kick her off. Listen, you can't get rid of my Joan Moans. No. <laughs> Joan Moans must stay. Mm-hmm. So G- Hooker comes and tells Harry and Pete that they're going to pre- prepare presentations and updates on their accounts and tells Kinsey, you may want to shave your beard. And Paul <laughs> says, what? Who are you people? Who the hell are you people? <laughs> and Hooker was like, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah, he's not funny or cute or no. clever or charming. He's smarmy. He's very smarmy. He's a little slugworth type. I don't like him. I don't like him either. Cooper tells Don and Roger not to panic as they're coming into his office, taking off their shoes. And Roger says, they're flying across the ocean just to have their knobs polished. Hey. And Don notes that it's subtle that they'd be coming on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. The British are coming. The British are coming, the British are coming. Roger says. He's a real Paul Revere, don't you think? <laughs> and Cooper has a theory that they're visiting to see Don. Because Roger says they've been impressed with him ever since he swung his privates around in front <laughs> with Duck the last year. Roger says that he thinks it might be a presidency. So I wrote ding, 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 because you've been wondering who's the president of this firm. Right. So it seems like they really haven't had one. No. It's just been in a... And clearly it's not Lane. Yeah. It's like they maybe had to reorganize when Duck was out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And so like this step, it's like, okay, now we've, re- we've thought about, you know, that was a temporary measure. Right. Now we're, we want to really settle down. So he puts this idea in, Cooper puts this idea in Don's head that he's going to be some kind of creative director in both London and New York, mm-hmm. which, what's his name, really likes that idea. Uh, Don is Don. very happy with this idea. Yeah, he's like, ooh, yeah. London. He starts like seeing pints of beer, pints of bitter. Yeah. And... Uh, British birds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just <Jeez>. flying in his eye. <laughs> With great teeth. So Cooper tells them to kiss and make up the same way Roger told Don and Duck to make up. Mm-hmm. Because Roger and Don are still at each other's throats. They haven't been on good terms since mm-hmm. the racist party. No. When Since the South Will Rise Again party. Yeah, when Don said, we're all laughing at you. Yeah. Nobody thinks this is cute or fun. Mm-hmm. We think you're weird. Did they basically. interact much? I know that Roger called Don Dada to congratulate mm-hmm. him after the baby. Well, that and that was it. So he called. He called yeah. from his office. He didn't come down to see him. He didn't mm-hmm. bring a gift. He didn't bring booze. That's a really good point. He called him from his office. Yeah. And was basically, and it was mm-hmm. mostly about business. Yeah. He you know yeah get back to work right so they're gonna go get a fancy shave shave and and a haircut two bits two bits i i noted there was samurai armor oh uh next to cooper's desk i I feel like every ep we see like some other more and more cooper's office that's goofy (laughs) uh but he's tired of their bickering everyone wants martin and lewis which is of course for our young listeners out there babies Classic comedy. You talk about the racist party. <laughs> uh, comedy duo of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, who, if I remember correctly, I think also hated each other. <laughs> mm. But they put on the act, which is what matters. So then we hear a very loud noise. Well, we're outside Pete Campbell's office. Yeah. You see his door. And then you hear this very loud, sounds like a lawnmower. It sounds a lot like a lawnmower. 
And Pete comes bursting out of his office like, what the fuck is going on? Damn it, Bumpuses. (laughs) How am I supposed to get any work done around here? (laughs) And Ken is triumphantly riding a John Deere tractor. Right through the office. Into the office, which is insane. But you know what's interesting? Yeah. They don't look any different. They really don't. That looked like a 2021 John Deere tractor. I bet the font is like slightly different, but the colors and the style. Yeah. And I'm guessing, you know, the engine, there might be some upgrades, but it is like essentially exactly what aesthetically looks like. It looks, yeah. Which uh, made me want to get a John Deere lawnmower, right? (laughs) So. He's greeted by, I wrote, Pete, Sal, and a rando. Yeah, who's this random I guy? No. He's all over in this app. And I couldn't make the IMDb thing work where it would show me. Same. What the hell is that? Normally when you app? pause mm-hmm. on Amazon, it's like, this is the song that's playing. These are the yeah. people. It has not done that for me in weeks. Me either. All right. They must have updated something. That's rude as hell. Amazon, you should have asked our opinion Jeez. before doing that. Dear Amazon. Listen, Amazon, Bezos. So this is Dale, who maybe was in like one meeting earlier. He hasn't shown up very much. Okay. Played by Mark Kelly, who is known for The Hot Zone, (laughs) The Dodeca Pentathlon. Oh my. Fear the what? He's a character actor. Okay, okay. I'm sure he's a perfectly fine young person, but he's a rando. He was very rando. All right. So Ken says John Deere is done. He landed a mastodon. Rando says. Yeah. Did he just put that in the elevator? Do those fit in the elevator? I mean, it wasn't a very big tractor and it is a pretty big elevator. So I'd say, yeah. Maybe there's like a service elevator. There's probably a service elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my guess is Uh they had this in the office anyway. Because a lot of times, like when they were doing pampers, they had a bunch of pampers. When they... Why are you making that face at me? You think that they just brought a lawnmower into the office so well, that they could think about okay. how to make ads for a lawnmower. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's a thing they first, do. Okay. First of all, yes, I was thinking that. But <laughs> second of all, <laughs> second of all, I just realized he only just landed this account. <laughs> yeah. So they haven't even been thinking about it yet. No. So, I mean, they mm. also landed Mohawk Airlines. They didn't put a plane. That's mean. That's just mean for me to say that. <laughs> But I have to say it. Well, they had lots of cigarettes in there. They yeah. had pampers in there. Yeah. They had a bunch of lipstick. I feel like there's a common they theme with those in... things that you can put in your pocket. Well, now listen. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, this lawnmower fits yeah. inside the office. I mean, they certainly brought it up. For yeah. sure. Ken is like a John Deere man through and through this whole episode. Mm-hmm. He is just like speaking in John Deere <laughs> slogans. Because he says, big accounts move slowly, but the John Deere doesn't mm-hmm. and then this fucking guy says listen mr clampett you might want to get your iron horse out of reception this fucking guy this fucking guy Who's i think he is talking to ken cosgrove like this i'm so <laughs> mad at this guy is this the rando guy this rando get the fuck out of here get out of here with your glasses <laughs> so the boys are really loving breaking the news to ken that like you got to give a presentation, buddy. Mm-hmm. I said in this part, Pete and Ken are definitely not buddies. No, no, no. They definitely look competitive in this. Yeah. And Ken is totally unfazed. He is like with everything. Oh, I have to give a presentation. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's my job, and I'm good at it. Yep. 
And then we see our old friend Betty. Oh, Betty. Oh, Betty. We're going to practice mindfulness with our discussion of Betty going forward. It's going to be fine. Okay. Because it's a fine story. All right. So she's snoozing with the baby. (laughs) Bobby opens the door and just yells, she's in here. And also, he's filthy. He's disgusting. He is so filthy. Why are you so filthy? His shirt is just covered in stains. In stains. And it's... It's like different colors. It looks like, it literally looks like a Tide detergent ad. Yeah. It's like when they uh-huh. it's like when they put the picture of the shirt with all the stains. Yeah. And then the magic bubbles come uh-huh. and swirl around oh, yeah. and the stain disappears. And it's that perfect little boy white and colorful striped yep. shirt because it shows colors and whites exactly. on the ad. That's so, exactly what he looked like. <laughs> he was real little boy. He's got real little boy attitude. Yeah. He's bored. And his mom tells him to go bang his head against the wall. <laughs> She's clearly, I wonder if this new baby wasn't here, if Bobby would be wearing such a stained shirt. <laughs> or if well, right, exactly. that was a sign of her being like. No, she, in this episode, yeah. she has clearly given up on her other children. <laughs> she has absolutely given up on them. <laughs> she hates them. <laughs> she is starting like, over. <laughs> she's like, I have my daddy back. I've requested a do-over. Yes. Uh, I'm not responsible nope. for those other two hellions. She wanted things to be perfect when this new baby came. <laughs> yeah. And she is pretending anything that isn't perfect doesn't exist, yep. including her children. And she's, she's really going for it. monster. She's kind of She might be the square-headed yeah. baby. She, you know what? We haven't seen a picture of her as a baby. Mm-mm. She's probably a monster. Mm-hmm. Her brother looks like he's got a square head. It runs in the family. I'm telling you. <laughs> so Bobby just pets the baby. Like a little cat, which is mm-hmm. how I handle babies also. <laughs> but Sally won't come in past the doorway. No, she's freaked out by this baby. Yeah. As you say in our uh, synopsis. Yeah. She's spooked. But it's something that, like, her parents do not understand it. Mm-hmm. They think that maybe she's jealous mm-hmm. because that's, like, a typical reaction. Right. And also, Betty is just, like, really angry at her all the time. So, yeah, we get... Uh, to a close-up of a shave of Don's sideburns while Roger is getting his nails done. He's getting manicure. But Don's not about that well, city stuff. Roger might get his toes done next. He just might. What? Get it, Roger. Because his dad was the tallest, handsomest, vainest man in New York, and he got his nails done. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like a very good way to convince Don Draper. <laughs> but what I really liked was when Don slaps his face with aftershave and just yells Woo! yeah that was a john ham moment i felt like oh yeah sometimes it's like that's just john ham being like himself okay he's just a goofy boy i wish i knew more about john ham i mean you've heard him on podcasts i know i have and you've seen him on. he is a silly he's silly silly man he's silly in bridesmaids he's so silly in unbreakable kimmy schmidt Oh, I haven't seen him in that. Oh, dear listener, if you haven't watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and you like Strumpet Trumpets and John Hamm being silly, <laughs> I fully support it. He's also fun and silly on 30 Rock. Oh, yeah. That was oh, filming yeah. at the same time as this. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, you know, tangentially, I <laughs> read recently that the reason that Trudy Campbell, and spoiler alert, she never becomes a regular, you know, cast That's member. A real shame. But it's because she was also shooting Community at the same time. So she was a core cast member of Community. And so, like, they wanted more Trudy. And who doesn't want more Alison Brie? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, she was 
it, because of community she wasn't bigger on mad men which you know i also really love community. i was i mean i was surprised that she was as big as she has been because yeah. i assumed this was happening roughly around the same time mm-hmm. so yeah so mm-hmm. we can fully blame them when roger talks about his father and then he tells just the most gruesome story Oh, yeah. Well, he said that his dad got his nails done all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he also was drunk all the time and yeah. was driving home drunk. Uh-huh. Crashed his car into a tree. His yeah. arm went through the window and was severed off. <laughs> yeah. So he was buried with only one arm. And he was already dead, so they weren't yeah. going to reattach it. So he was buried with mm-hmm. only one arm, but the nails looked great. <laughs> that one that one arm in the casket. Uh, Roger, uh, Don doesn't believe the story. Right. And then he's like, you're right. It was another car that he hit. Right. And he did say it was his fourth coronary. He was probably also drunk. That's what it was. Not that he was drunk. But that also puts us in perspective of, okay, Rogers had two. Mm -hmm. So he is really following in his father's footsteps here. Mm -hmm. Don starts getting a massage from the barber. That looked so cool. Yeah. He has these like. The only thing I can call them is vibrators. (laughs) Yeah. Because literally there are these metal glove things over the top of his hand that yeah. make his hands vibrate i they look like old school pencil sharpeners that would be like attached to a wall like just yeah. big metal things yeah. but yeah there's something on the palm on the that's palms. making him vibrate and don's like hunched over mm-hmm. getting his shoulders rubbed which was probably very comfortable mm-hmm. roger says he's worried about his company and don tells him it's not he's not going to be the last person to tell him you sold the company right <laughs> it's not your company anymore and then Roger says that the problem with Mona is that she started judging people. and She never did that before. And he says very pointedly, I don't like being judged. Yeah. I'm a little proud boy, and I don't want you to tell me that I'm doing anything bad. <laughs> yeah, well, because Draper straight up judged yeah. him and told him he was being judged by everybody mm-hmm. at that racist party. Yeah. And Roger's still pissed about it. Yeah, he's salty. But Don seems to just not, he's like, we don't have to talk about this anymore. Yeah, he's like, we don't got to talk about it. I moved on, buddy. <laughs> Live your fucking life. And Roger says he was holding out for gratitude, but he'll take it. Maybe now you'll have the money and the glory. Mm-hmm. So he didn't just become rich from PPL. Now he might be the guy. Yep. Joan is back in the office telling Hildy to make sure everyone who comes in and out of the office on Tuesday comes in like at the time that the british guys are there so it looks super busy so deliveries and messages and meetings and whatever and is like let's chop chop lady chop chop little onion and then hildy like takes a step back says are you being short with me because you'll think it'll make parting easier my mother used to do that yeah poor hildy yeah it's very like modern of her yeah <laughs> to be like let's get to the root of the way the reason you're treating me this way <laughs> and joan i don't think really has much f- no patience for that and then here comes goddamn weasley hooker <laughs> limey vulture the limey vulture money right. penny saying that the secretaries are too plain essentially and joan <laughs> says i could hire some prostitutes i know your prime minister is fond of them <laughs> very cute oh joan and Hooker oh, is just, so. like, looks at her and is like, it's the Secretary of War, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the Prime Minister. And you do well not to bring that up tomorrow. Did you look up what that is in reference to? No. Because I did. Okay. And it's pretty exciting. Oh, I'm ready for it. Give it to me. So this is a history.com article 
about the day June 5th, 1963. So we're in July 1st. Okay, so less than a month prior. Yeah. On June 5th, 1963, British Secretary of War John Profumo resigned his post following revelations that he had lied to the House of Commons about his sexual affair with Christine Keeler, an alleged prostitute. So what happened was there was this Secretary of War promoted by Macmillan, I guess that's, that's the Prime Minister, in 1960. He was in charge of overseeing the army. He was a good candidate for future promotion, retired to a reti- married to a retired movie actress, Valerie Hobson, and was at the center of the swinging 60s society mm. with his wife. In uh, One night in July 1961, he was at the estate of Lord Bill Astor and was introduced to a 19-year-old Christine Keeler. She was frolicking naked by the pool. As you are wont to do. When you're 19 at an estate, uh, she was the guest of Dr. Stephen Ward, um, who was friends with Lord Astor. She was working as a showgirl at a London nightclub when Ward took her under his wing. They lived together but were not lovers. Mm. He encouraged her to pursue sexual relationships with his high-class friends. On one or more occasions, apparently, she accepted money for sex. Ward introduced her to his friend Ivanov, who was a Soviet diplomat. Oh. So when the scandal broke, people thought that maybe he was a spy. And so the fact that the Secretary of War was cavorting with a woman who was also Mm. cavorting with a Soviet diplomat was uh, troublesome. Though there's no evidence that she paid either of the men for sex, but Profumo once gave Keeler some money to buy her mother a birthday present. Oh, well, that's just gentlemanly. It all blew up, and it was it's kind of like the exact same thing Bill Clinton did, where Mm. he said, I didn't have relations with her in front of Congress. Right. You know, depends on what your definition of is, is. And then it comes out he was lying, and then he resigned. Apparently it was bad for the administration. Dr. Stephen Ward was being tried for perjury oh shit and during the trial he took he intentionally overdosed on sleeping pills while he was in a coma they found him guilty and then he died so he never woke up from that coma so a very sad story wowza truly sad so that's that story that's a crazy story (laughs) don't talk about that in front of the brits when they come over i won't including my parents your parents are Brits? Oh, I see. Okay. Hey. All right. I caught on. You got it. <laughs> and then John says to Joan, why don't we reschedule your surprise party until after the holiday? Oh, what God a damn little... it, hooker. Is he a twerp also? Yeah. I think he's also He's a, a bozo. He's a bozo. This is the exact reason. <laughs> These people are the reason why I brought that word back. And we are all blessed to have that word at our disposal in situations such as this. You're welcome. Thank you. Hildy's mad at him. Why did you do that? And John says, Mrs. Harris knows everything. I'm sure she was expecting it. Ugh. So Joan just says, I'm going to go home and make a celebratory dinner for my husband. And when you wake up in the middle of the night and wonder what you forgot, don't call me. What does that mean? Wonder what you forgot. In the preparations for the next day. Oh, I see. Because oh, okay. she's the real, you know, HBIC, but he right, is right, right. the acting office manager now. Right, and right, so, right. yeah. So we're back at home with Betty. She's drinking wine and reading a magazine. Don kisses her hello, and she notices how smooth his cheek mm. is. Let me tell you yeah. one little uh, detail that I really appreciated. I'd love to hear it. Is that this is what two weeks Uh maybe after this baby's been born yeah and she still has a bit of a tummy yeah i loved that i loved that detail that they didn't just immediately make her back super thin 
And they dress her to emphasize that mm-hmm. there's a, she could have had a bigger dress on, mm-hmm. but it's a very sleek sheath dress. Yeah. I actually wrote, what does Ashley think of ba- Betty's post-baby bump? Because I know you didn't like her baby bump, but her post-baby bump is acceptable. It's acceptable. I love that. Yes. Good. So Don tells her this news that they're going to be inspected by the British, and that's why he got this shave. Right. I felt like this was a lot more information than he normally shares with her. Well, because he's excited. Oh, yeah. He says, would you ever want to live in London? Yeah. And she's like, well, yeah, I could get a real pram and a real nanny. <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, what do you know? And he says, nothing. nothing. Which he, is true. He doesn't right. actually know anything, but he's giddy. And he's like really excited to kind of surprise her with that. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's he's happy. It, but it just was, they he just doesn't discuss work with her a lot. Right. And so like it does show how happy he is and mm-hmm. how he wants her to be part of this, whatever this is happening, his rise. Mm-hmm. Then we see there's a record spinning and it's like like already been played but no one has taken the needle off. Right. Joan is asleep on the sofa and Greg stumbles in Ugh, drunk. Trips over all the stuff, makes a big clamor. He's a bad drunk person. He's a bad person. He's also. a bad person. That's true. And he lies to Joan. He like tells her, I told he gaslights her. Yeah. And is like, I told you yeah, she's like, where were you? Which is a terrible Well, I told lie. you I was going to drink with the doctors. Yeah. You didn't tell me. Yeah, I called you at work. That's a lie, she yeah. says. Good for you, Joni. Strumpet you. trumpet. Burp, 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 burp. Call that man out on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Don't try and gaslight me, motherfucker. This is a strumpet trumpet up for Joan. She just Damn. gets more strumpety yeah, and trumpety as Woo! this goes on. Woo! Got my Joan moan. <laughs> also, her in this little nighty with the... Yeah. Oh, God. Mm, mm. Joan, Joan at home. God damn it, Joan. <laughs> Makes me so upset. It's really upsetting that Greg doesn't recognize what Greg, he has. you have no idea. He has no idea what is available. Zero. Yeah. Ooh, Joan. Oh, God. So... Uh, he's real shy. He doesn't want to tell Joe. He doesn't want to tell mommy no. what happened, but he didn't get the residency. They made, was it Dutch Hutchison? I don't know. Some guy. I, I said some guy. Some guy got it, got chief resident and he felt the floor open up under him, but he ran into someone else before he found out who wouldn't look him in the eye. I'm guessing it was one of the like actual doctors. Yeah. Cause they said Edinger is the one who told him. Right. And whoever, right, whoever it was that said all this to him was someone who was writing him letters of recommendation. Yeah. So clearly it's a higher up person. Who knew what the outcome would be. Right. But doesn't actually feel bad about it because he told him, you have no brains in your fingers. Yeah. You ain't never going to be a surgeon, son. Unless. You go to Alabama. Unless you go to Alabama. (laughs) That is like, it's not that he can't be a surgeon in New York City. It's that the only place he could think of where they would accept him as a surgeon is Alabama. And as yeah. someone who grew up in Alabama. As an Alabamite. I. Alabamian? Alabamian. Alabamian. Yeah. You're offended. You it's, take umbrage. It's really not that. Like, I don't. I can. I, I, I have no arguments <laughs> with the state of medical care in Alabama in 1963. As being, you know, taking anyone Mm. that would uh, have them. And, like, they both, Joan and Greg both know that that's, like, not a great 
prognosis. Right, right. To right. use a medical term. That was impressive. Thank you. I'm a Coming very... Coming from the librarian well using medical person. terms? I'm amazed. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm here to amaze you. <laughs> so Joan is, like, confused. <laughs> She's like, so you're still a doctor, right? Yeah. Did they fire you? What... What's happening here? Yeah, he's still a doctor. He's just not a surgeon, and he's yeah. never going to be a surgeon. Mm-hmm. But he still has a year of residency, so you're not going to be able to leave your job, Joan. Yeah. And she's like, well, that's done. And he's like, well, just get another job. Yep. Great. Joan tells him that he married, she married him for his heart and not for his hands. He's still a doctor, but she doesn't really seem that excited about it. No. And then she says... Go lay down. I'll undress you. Mm-hmm. I wish Joan would say that to me. <laughs> After a long day, I wish I'd come yeah. home and Joan would be there. With a comforting pat. With a comforting pat. And she would just say, go lay down. I'll undress you. Yes. And I would do that. I would just yeah. lay down and wait just for her to undress wait for me. Joan. <laughs> do what you will, Joan. Oh, Joan. Ah. <sighs> Don, we see briefly Don is in bed. Is he smiling? Yes. Yeah, like he's like laying in bed he's smiling. Giddy. Yeah. He's giddy. He's told Betty mm-hmm. in some sense like something's coming down the mm-hmm. pike. Uh, it's and Christmas Eve. Yeah. And he's laying in bed staring at the ceiling smiling. Mm-hmm. And, and then it cuts to Sally in her bed mm-hmm. staring at her nightlight. Yeah. She is not smiling. She's got her whole face in the light. Like yeah. she does not want to be in the dark. She's freaked out. We arrive at the office the next morning. It is as busy as Joan wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. She is in olive green. Oh, She looks fantastic. She looks amazing. This olive green dress on her. You know what it is? It's kind of a military green. Is it? I'm just going to put that out there. It's a little bit like... It's a little military green. Okay. Uh, she's introduced to the three British executives as the outgoing office manager mm-hmm. by Hooker. It's like she never corrects anyone the whole episode. She never tells anyone at the office what happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. So, like, from here on out, everyone is treating her like, like she's, she's leaving, leaving. And she's, like, not really sure what to do. Yeah. she's got her fucking pride. Yeah. What are you going to do? Say, actually, that thing where my husband was going to be successful and I wouldn't have to work anymore? Yeah. I need my old job back. Oh, Joni. But they got... Two tickets to Oliver. She got them dinner reservations at a fancy restaurant mm-hmm. and two tickets to Oliver, which is funny because there's three of them. Yeah. Who's Who were those tickets for? I don't know. I don't understand that. Two tickets to Oliver. It's a wonderful show, yeah. she says. It, they, they seem excited about Oliver. I didn't look up when that premiered. Yeah, probably and around then, I'm willing to bet. That's a really good guess. So Hooker is walking the Brits... Through the office <laughs> and telling the itinerary as they pass the first office. <sighs> who? What do we see? Kinsey uh, sitting on his desk <laughs> playing guitar. And door like, wide open. Just strumming away. Just absolutely the troubadour. Yeah. That's, how, that's the impression. <laughs> I mean, he has timed it exactly. Right. That you just hear, just like you heard the lawnmower before you saw it. You right. hear the folk music before you see it. Right. Lois is his secretary at the desk, Mm. the former switchboard operator. And there's a little uh, thing on the desk with an American flag and a UK flag. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. For their uh, conquerors coming home. I I had it paused because I was laughing so hard. (laughs) And so I like had a moment to take that in. Gotcha. 
Pete comes out to greet Sinjin because mm-hmm. he knows Sinjin. And Guy, the young, there's like this new young guy. A new youngster. I feel like the other one, Ford, Harold Ford, was he, I think he was at the meeting with Duck Phillips. I can't remember. I feel like it was him and Sinjin mm-hmm. were at the meeting with Duck. And so Guy is the new guy. Yeah, he's new. He tells Pete, I've heard everything about you. You're a very impressive fellow. And Pete is like, well, I'm yours now. Right. All I've ever wanted is to be impressive and told so. <laughs> and so he says, really, I wish I could return the compliment. I almost thought the guy was hitting on Pete. Well, in a sense, I mean, I got the impression because Sunjin is like very excited to see Pete. He's like, yeah, oh, Pete. Yes, here you are. The impressive uh-huh. young man. And so now Guy is like, I know everything about you. You're yeah. very impressive. And I was like, oh, well, Sinjin clearly prepared him. Right. Was talking Pete up. Mm-hmm. And then they meet Peggy. <laughs> yeah. Peggy steps out of her office and she's like, oh, nice to meet you. And Guy says, I know everything about you. You're a very impressive young woman. Yes. <laughs> the exact same <laughs> sentence. It's so good. <laughs> Peggy's just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, that's weird. Right. Why would you probably don't? I just write right. copy. But Pete's like, I believe you. And <laughs> now we're here we go. Well, this is my ride right. to the top. Pete thinks Pete thinks that he is an impressive yes. person. Yeah. And so, of course, you'd be impressed by me. Right. And Peggy's like, <laughs> You're full of shit, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pete is way too easily impressed for the expectations he right. holds for himself. So the secretary, as Guy walks away, mm-hmm. says, that is a very handsome man. She's not wrong. It reminded me of a film that I have a good feeling you may not even remember. You probably remember it, but you haven't seen it. And okay. it is The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. I have not seen it. You're right. So when The Blind Side came out. Is that about Alabama? It's about University of Mississippi, or Ole Miss. Spoiler alert, Michael Orr goes to Ole Miss. (laughs) But there is a montage of SEC coaches court, that's the Southeastern Conference. Okay, thank you. College football conference in the Southeast. Thank you. Of these coaches courting him. And it's very entertaining for people who are in the know of the SEC Mm. because it's the actual coaches at the time. And... It's especially fun because it's the coaches who were the coaches at the time that Michael Orr was really being courted. So Nick Saban was the coach of LSU at that time. Mm -hmm. But when the movie came out, he was the coach for Alabama. So, like, it was a really big movie in Alabama because Saban was in it. Supposedly, like, the whole team went to see it, you know, together one night. People, you know, they love the boys on the team. So they talk about what these 20-something-year-old young men are doing. Gotcha. But in the show, in the movie, Sandra Bullock, when Nick Saban leaves, says that was a very attractive man. Uh, Which is a strange thing (laughs) to say about Nick Saban. I mean, he's a fine, you know, he's not particularly pretty or unpretty. Okay. But I... I like to think it's because Nick Saban, like, has the it factor when you're actually in the room with him. Okay. Because he's a living deity. Okay. I'm looking at pictures of him now. Yeah. He's just a dude. He is 100% a dude. Yeah. And I don't think he's trying to be anything other than that. Okay. Or Even when he was young. I'm looking at pictures of him yeah. when he was young. Yeah. It's fine. I... That's why I think it stands out. <laughs> if it was a... I'm sure there's a lot of movies where people comment on how attractive Brad Pitt is but you're like well yeah of course they do right uh anyway we see Don 
Roger and Cooper at tea, ready, uh, in Cooper's office, same kind of setup they had with Ho-Ho Sr. Harold Ford and Guy McKendrick come in, and Guy tells Don, I can't tell you how exciting it is to finally meet you. Yeah. Which makes Don, like, kind of confirms a little bit what he's been saying. Right. But now that we're talking about it in context... Is that just another way of saying, I've heard everything about you, you're a very impressive young man? I mean, he, maybe, although he seemed to know, he seemed to actually know about Don. Probably. Yeah, he seemed to actually know about him. And then Sinjin just starts going on and on about how amazing this kid is. Yeah. He went to Cambridge, and he did all this stuff. He worked for McCann. Yeah. He got Mercedes Benz. Oh boy, this young gun. He's just like so just a rising star Mm -hmm. in the advertising world, in the English advertising world. Mm -hmm. They're going to meet for luncheon in the conference room at one, which sounds like Agatha Christie, (laughs) Alain says. Mm -hmm. So English they are. And as they leave, Cooper just says, that was strange. Yeah. Well, that was strange. Yeah, they're they're getting this very strange sense. Mm -hmm. It's clear that whatever they thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. Yeah. Because everything is just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And Roger notices that Don looks really kind of like dejected. Yeah. Or confused or like, what's really going on? The British are not showing their cards. Mm-hmm. They are just saying hello. This is a really short note. It's, I mean, they had one day's notice. That's right. really short. Right. And so clearly there's something happening. And they're, and even in this room with the partners, they're, they're not telling them. So the partners are going to find out with everybody else, which is right. um, a power move, probably also. So then we see Lane in his office looking out the window with a pipe. Smoking a pipe like my grandpa used yeah. to. I do love the smell of a pipe, I'll be honest. Yeah. I think smoking is gross. Yeah. Like smoking cigarettes and cigars is disgusting. Uh-huh. But I love the smell of a pipe. I like that. Yeah. I don't know if I could recognize it. Mm. I think I actually like the smell of those little cheap cigars. Those Swisher uh, little, Sweets. Yeah. Like well, I, those smell sweet. Pipes are cool. Pipes are cool. My grandpa had a ton of pipes. Yeah? He had a bunch of really cool, like, carved ones. Mm-hmm. He also had a bunch of really cool canes. Yeah. He had MS, so he walked with a limp, okay. so he had a bunch of canes. But yeah, just the Is smell. Is he the English one or the American No, one? American. Okay. My dad's dad. Yeah. The smell of the pipe and that crackle sound when you mm-hmm. light it. Ooh, I love it. That's a very good, like, grandpa memory. Right? It's exactly what you're supposed to remember yeah. about a grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Hooker tells Lane that Powell and, and Harold Ford are coming in to talk to him. And Lane all of a sudden looks really excited. Or he, anticipatory. Yeah, he's, like, he's a little on edge. Mm-hmm. He, like, takes a minute to, to get his composure, fixes his hair. Yeah. Pretends that he's chill. Yeah. And then they Takes walk off in. his glasses. Take, oh, yeah, because Hooker That's, says yeah. spectacles. So earlier Hooker told Paul, allegedly as a joke, that he would want to shave his beard. Right. And now he's telling Lane to take off his glasses. So it's setting the stage for some kind of like physical look that the Brits want mm-hmm. from the people they are empowering. Right. <laughs> that, that'll probably come up later. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> So he sits down in the brightest red leather chair I've ever seen. Yes. It's a beautiful chair. It is. I really want it. We'll get it. Okay, cool. And uh, Harold and Sinjin praise him for trimming the fat without 
a lot of complaints. Well, they mentioned it's been nine months. Okay, yeah. So it's only been nine months since PPP bought out Mm -hmm. SC. That's like a whole baby's worth. Exactly. And in those nine months, Mm -hmm. he's trimmed the fat. Yeah. He's increased billing. Perfect. And all without a complaint. Yeah. Yeah. He's been a good job. And they're going to give him a little reward for his work, but also a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's in this box. (laughs) And Lane is beaming. He looks like Don when he was going to sleep. Like Mm -hmm. his face is just... He's got that no glasses, red-faced smile, and it's a taxidermied cobra in a basket. Yeah, it's like a snake charmer snake. What did you think of that when you saw it? I was like, that's weird as fuck. It's weird as fuck. It's really weird. And it's, Sinjin says it's for our snake charmer. We're sending you to Bombay. (laughs) Hey. To hopefully do the same thing you accomplished here. Yeah, he says, what would I do there? Yeah. Hopefully the same thing you accomplished here. What a doormat they treat Lane like. I mean, they literally say, so then he says, well, I don't need to find a spot for this snake if I'm moving again. Yeah. And Ford says, don't pout. One of your greatest qualities is that you always do as you're told. Stiff upper lip. Yeah. That's really mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Your best, the best thing about you is you just blindly follow orders. Yeah. That's awful. And, like, we've, we're seeing Lane is such a kind of an interesting character because to all of the English people, he's the representation of the big bad daddy who has to cut the purse strings and he's always complaining about expenses. The American people, you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. The, the American people. But then to the British people, he's, like, the lowest guy on the totem pole. And right. It's just a bug that they're that he's beholden to them. And so he's, like, yeah. Not happy with it. Yeah. Because his, his wife was already pissy about America. How is she going to yeah. feel about Bombay? His wife just settled. His son just got accepted to school. And now I'm yeah. just moving on. Where and is... says, nonsense. You're moving up. I'm trying to see. Mumbai was called Bombay until 1995. Oh. That's very recent. That is recent. Yeah. So for all of our listeners who are under the age of 26, <laughs> uh, who just have only grown up with Mumbai. Damn. That's what Bombay used to be called. And then we see an overhead projector light being turned on in the conference room. Lane is just not looking. He's looking straight ahead in this yeah. conference room next to Don. Harold Ford introduces Guy McKendrick. It looks like this is where they announce to everyone else that Lane is leaving for Bombay. Yeah. And says that, you know, our loss is India's gain. And that's really all he says. Yeah. They apl- He's like, you know, thank you, Lane Price, for all of your hard work. Mm-hmm. And we're going to give you a round of applause. And our loss is India's gain. And everybody yeah. starts clapping. Uh-huh. And Don and Cooper and Sterling kind of look at each other and yeah. slowly start clapping. They're like, this Cause it's like this is weird. Wait, they just axed their top guy? Mm-hmm. Now what's going to happen? And they put up, uh, they, they says there will be no further reductions in the ranks. And Harry just like claps yeah. like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and then puts this organizational chart on. A flow chart. A whole flow chart, which I love. I know. It has Guy McKendrick as the chief operating officer over Don Draper, creative director. Yep. And co-equal, essentially, with Cooper as the just kind of director emeritus. Yep. And Sterling isn't on it at all. He's not even on it. Nope. And when Cooper points that out, Harold Ford just writes Sterling on it in Sharpie with just a line under Cooper. So he is just... The most afterthoughty afterthought it could be. Right. 
Don looks super disappointed and for the rest of the time just is doodling. Mm-hmm. Like he's just... Looks like he's drawing an American flag. He sure is. Like, fuck you Brits. Yeah. America. Because this is, uh, Sterling Cooper is just the American arm of PPL. Don would be the head of creative art and copy. He'll be over account management. And he says there's account management. That's Mr. Crossgrove. Mr. Campbell for the present. Yeah. That's really a knife to the gut. Yep. Because they don't mention anything else about that. Yep. And then a combined television media department headed by Mr. Crane. Look and the him. face that Harry Crane makes. <laughs> I, I took a picture of it. He like does this little pursed lip smile. Oh yeah. He's very proud. He is so happy. He's, he's trying to, you know, keep it made contained. Yeah. Contain. What's the word I'm trying to say? Contained. Yeah. It did under not, wraps. It did not want to come out no. correctly. Can, contained. Contained. He's keeping it contained. He ain't got it contained. Uh, <laughs> but God don't want to. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's where they point out Sterling isn't on the chart. Uh, they were going to send out a memo with this information, but Guy would rather informally inform the troops right just stand out there and mm-hmm. let them holler mm-hmm. tell them all at once so they can't process it uh in private so ken leaves with them with the british people tells lane that he's gonna miss him mm-hmm. and then because once again ken actually thinks about other people not himself right so he's like the only person that actually tells lane Anything. Yeah. Whereas yeah. there's this huge going away party for Joan. Right. Where they do tell him that they miss her. So everyone else stayed in the office and Harry just says, what the hell just happened? And Pete says, they just reorganized us and you're the only one in this room who got a promotion. And Cooper apologizes to Don for his wild imagination. Yeah. So now I'm confused about yeah. Crane's supposed promotion. Mm-hmm. How is that different than what he was doing? How is that a promotion? So... We don't know what the exact organizational chart was before, Hmm. but I would guess that Harry was under maybe someone else. Maybe he was lower on the totem pole, Hmm. and they may have just promoted head of TV. Like, that department has just become bigger. As its own, like, bigger department. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe it was, like, a sub-department of creative or something. We don't really know, do we? Right. No, we don't. Yeah, I, I took... A screenshot, well, I took a photograph of the television, but it didn't really have much. I really just wanted Guy McKendrick's name because I didn't catch it when they said right. it earlier. So we'll get the full one on okay. the Instagram oh, right. pictures. Perfect. Don't worry Thank about you. it. I'll take care of that. So then we see Sally and Betty in Sally's room. Oh, I They looked very cute. Betty in this scene looks furious. Yeah? She hates her child. <laughs> like, yeah. she looks pissed. Okay. So she goes into to Sally's room and uh-huh. Sally says, see, it's clean. Because yeah. in order to get a nightlight, she had to clean her room. Mm-hmm. And Betty sits on her bed and she's like, oh, what's this? <laughs> and pulls a present out from like behind the headboard and yeah. says, oh, it says it's from baby Jean. Uh-huh. But she says this, but her face yeah. looks furious. She's like yeah. so angry. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's really strange. Yeah, she's allegedly getting, you know, giving this, what turns out to be a Barbie doll, to Sally, to try to make Sally think that baby Jean 
likes her mm-hmm. for some reason that she thinks this is gonna work and then she just leaves right so she pulls this out uh-huh. and sally's happy she's smiling and she yeah. says it's from baby's Je- baby jean and sally's face just drops and she goes baby jean can't write <laughs> and betty does what i did and says yeah. that there's a fairy she does say there's a fairy listen there's fairies that come and do things in your home mom's to help little with your helper children. yes exactly <laughs> And she says, babies get fairies to do things. You know that. Yeah. It's really from him. (laughs) So it's a Barbie. Mm -hmm. And she says, I think he wants you to know that he wants to be your friend. Yeah. And you're very important to me, too. And then she just walks away. (laughs) She just leaves. Doesn't hug her. Doesn't Uh kiss her. Doesn't smile at her. Uh Just, you are very important to me. (laughs) And walks away. It's... Truly a lesson in good parenting skills, in understanding your kids. The Barbie that she got Mm -hmm. was a swimsuit Barbie. It says the 1961 bubblecut Barbie dolls were a black and white striped knit swimsuit. The 1962 came with a red jersey one-piece swimsuits, matching red open-toe heels, gold wrist tag on wrist. And then the 1963 to 64 shared the midge Barbie body. Oh, with smaller lips that were raised slightly and a larger neck knob. Okay, there's like some really specific okay. Barbie knowledge on yeah. here. But this was a bob-haired, bubble-cut doll okay. from 19. Well, she had she has short, she's a short brown bob. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not the Barbie that you think of with the long blonde hair. No, but it is, I just need you to know, it is specific to the time. Well, sure. It is appropriate. Yes. Thank you. Because I know that's something you're very important <laughs> to you. So don't worry. Thank you. I could tell by the face. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's no, okay. It's all right. So Sally takes the Barbie out and puts it on her pillow and just kind of looks at it like it's about to come alive yeah. and stab her. Yeah. She's real scared of this Barbie. She doesn't like it. It's like, why did Jean put this Barbie in my room? Yeah. It's probably a spy. Yeah. This it, is this is can only be a bad omen coming from a square-headed baby. 100% a bad yeah. omen. Then we go to the bullpen again, which is the same place we saw the morning announcement on Monday. Right. So Guy is giving a toast. There's champagne. And he toasts Lane Price Mm -hmm. for being, you know, such a good, you know, doormat for these nine months. (laughs) Right. And then he toasts Mrs. Harris. And she is on the verge of tears. Well, she is not just on the verge. She actually cries. And. And he tells her, I wish you caviar and children and all that is good in your new life. And then she just, like, balls. Yeah. And fucking John Hooker wheels out this cake as if he baked it himself. God damn it, John Hooker. It's twerp. And it says, Bon Voyage Joan with a steamer ship. Mm-hmm. Guy says that we will have our presentations tomorrow. We shall have a fete worthy of Joan. Enjoy the liquor and delicatessen. That sounds like an amazing day at the office. It really does. Listen, liquor mm-hmm. and New York deli. Yeah. And cake? Yeah. I don't want anything else. No, on a Tuesday? (laughs) When Joan is there? And Joan's crying? Oh, man. Hildy does point out that the secretaries are the one who got the cake. Yes. (laughs) So Ken, Pete, Paul, and Harry are all shoulder to shoulder. And Ken asks, so what now? They keep adding people above us. And Pete says, one more promotion and we're going to be answering phones. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a very funny line to me. (laughs) Pete's, like, clever in this episode. He is. He has some good lines. Like, damn it! Yeah. And also... That was a great one. The one about answering phones. Those were the two really good ones that he had. Well, he also says everyone got promoted. You're the only one in this room who got a promotion. Was that funny? 
it's a very con- he like synthesizes the effect of what the hammer that has come down mm-hmm. he summarizes it okay All which right. is to say we got reorganized yes you're the only one who got a promotion right i know that you hate pete look i'm sorry <laughs> but every now and then he says something good that's fine i can roll with it peggy and don are sipping champagne together Peggy says, this is good champagne. And Don says, I don't think so. I don't think so. Peggy just looks at him and says, I'm going to go get something to eat. Peggy's like, I ain't got time for your negative energy, right. Don. She's like, whatever, dude. I don't dude. know what your fucking problem is. Let me just enjoy champagne. <laughs> Peggy's just trying to live her life. Jeez. And it's like, she doesn't understand what everyone's mood is about, right? Because, like, when Guy comes to her and says you're very impressive, she's like, all right. Right. When Don says it's not good champagne, she's like, whatever. <laughs> She tries to, like, give Joan a compliment and right. doesn't know what's happening. Anyway. So the phone rings, and it's for Don. Who wants to see Don? Conrad Hilton. What'd you think of that? Well, I knew he was the head of the Hilton Hotels. Yeah. Even before Don says, the head of the Hilton Hotels. <laughs> and his secretary says, yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't know why he's calling or what uh-huh. he wants, but his people called Don's people. Yeah. And he wants to meet. In 15 minutes In at 15- the Waldorf President. Well, right. Street. I mean, yeah. the secretary says... You know, what's your schedule like? And he says, well, how about right now? Yeah. She's like, okay, 15 minutes, let's go. Presidential suite at the Waldorf Astoria. What could that possibly be about? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. I assumed that he was had somehow heard about Don uh-huh. and wants to hire him. Ooh. That was my guess of what was happening. That's an interesting guess. We'll find out. Okay. We'll That's my prediction. I can't wait for you to find out what it is. <laughs> So Roger walks into Cooper's office, and in a fun little turn of events, Cooper's the one eating something stupid. <laughs> I just like how they both do stupid stuff. Cooper is always office. eating weird stuff. Yeah, but so is... I guess that's true. Yeah. Cooper's but, the one who eats weird shit. But but so is Roger. Do they both eat weird stuff? Roger's always doing something goofy whenever we see Roger. He's eating a sundae. Yeah, he's always he's eating. drinking sometimes a gallon of milk. Yeah, and sometimes he's... He had jello. With the paddle ball. He had the paddle ball. He was getting a haircut once. Haircut. Right, right, right. He's just always doing something silly. But Cooper's always eating That's weird true. stuff. That's really true. Just because old people do that. Yeah. Cottage always... cheese and ketchup. Yeah. Just like Nixon. Oh. Ferris is attacking a bird mid-podcast. He didn't get it, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> Roger is pouty just like for being forgotten. Yeah. I wasn't even on the chart. My name's mm-hmm. on the wall. He's being punished for making the job look easy. Yeah. But he compliments Guy as being a good account man. So Cooper's like, what makes a good account man? And Roger says, it's about listening to people and never saying what's really on your mind. Mm -hmm. But Cooper counters that it's actually about letting things go so you can get what you want. Mm. And just like Don said, we took their money. We have to do what they say. Yeah. Quit your bitching, Roger. Get over it. They made you millionaires. (laughs) For real. Literally. And also, it's your dad's name on the building. Mm. CTFO. <laughs> so Sterling Cooper is in total party mode. Hooker's putting the smack on a secretary. Ooh. And the rando is Dale, allegedly, <laughs> is talking to Kurt and Smitty about Vietnam. He thinks his dad wants him to get drafted. Yeah. Talk of Vietnam. Interesting. <laughs> so Smitty says, first of all, they're hardly drafting anybody. Second of all, you're too old. And third of all, I got a friend. He's got a desk job. He's just banging broads all day and all night. That was an excellent imitation of Smitty. Thank you. It's perfect. I, I thought he was it. here in the room, 
And hey. I was like, oh my god, Smitty, how did you get here from 60 years ago? I'm Smitty. I'm really bad at predicting the future. <laughs> Uh, but Kurt wants to know if his friend, uh, does he shoot the peoples? Does he shoot the people? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I gotta get some booze. Ah, mm, I need weed. Wait, it makes him sleepy. What happened? <laughs> Peggy brings Joan champagne and asks to speak with her. And I felt like, finally, Peggy has learned how to approach Joan. With booze? Yeah. Just like, instead of coming at her, she's always like trying to get what she wants from Joan. Mm-hmm. She always does. When mm-hmm. she walked up to her at the elevator about her lazy secretary. Right. She's always like, you know, who can fix this door or whatever. But she's like, here's champagne. I want to give you a gift, but I wanted you to think I didn't want something from you. Right. But she also didn't give her a gift. Right. It's just a conversation that they had. <laughs> well, she says, I got you a card. She I says, I she... got you a card. Okay. I wanted to get you a gift, but okay. I didn't want you to think I wanted anything from you. Yeah. Yeah. And... He tells her, she tells her, I don't want you to think that I never listen to you. It's just, we can't all be you. Well, no, you can't all be Joan. And I wouldn't want them to be. Absolutely not. I only want Joan, but I want Joan all the time. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be as sweet if there were other Joans. No, no. So Joan says, be that as it may, she does take some credit for Peggy's success. And then we hear that sound again, starting up in the background. Oh, boy. Oh, God. This is, this is, this, I, this is where things happen. This is where it gets really going. This is where it gets cartoonish. This is where it turns into a a comic book. Yeah. So Smitty is driving the lawnmower. Hildy is standing behind him and riding along with him. Everyone's laughing. Allison's on Ken's lap. Ken yells, hey, put that back. Because it was in the storage closet where they keep all the lawnmowers. Exactly, right. Uh, Smitty says, I'm going home. And Joan just laughs and says, I can't believe I'm going to miss this. Oh, it's so, there's so many antics. There's just like these characters. Uh, I'm going to miss these boys. And then they all cough because there's a lawnmower running in the office. So they're having to speak louder, but they continue their conversation. Uh, We had seen when, when Joan says she was going to miss it, we see that, Lois is getting on. Right. Smitty it. got off because he's yeah. going home. So we kind of hear it start again in the background while Peggy is telling Joan, I'm really happy you got what you wanted. You told me on my first day when I could do the same if I played my cards right. Mm-hmm. Joan says you're getting sentimental. And then we see Lois. Well, it keeps in between this conversation. Yeah. It keeps flashing back to Lois. Yeah. And you can see that she's kind of losing control of this thing. People yeah. are kind of jumping out of the way. She looks she's, nervous. Looks, she looks nervous. <laughs> she's kind of crashing into people's desks. Yeah. Papers are going flying. Uh-huh. And they're talking and they're talking. And then you just hear... Screams and blood splatter across four people. Yes. Like Kill Bill. It is so wild and so cringy. Oh, my God. And then Lois, the way she stops is by crashing fully into an office Into an office. Yep. It shatters glass over her. So the three, it's it's Dale, Paul, Harry, and a blonde secretary. Some secretary. Who get just... Full on yeah. splash of blood. Like all over their bodies, yeah. like Kill Bill yeah. or like The Walking Dead. And who who's fo- who, who got run over? <sighs> Young, hot British guy. Mm-hmm. Up and comer. Yep. That up and comer who was the CEO yeah. is now on the floor. With his a mangled foot. His foot is mangled. Oh my God. She ran over his foot with a yeah. John Deere tractor. Yeah. They had... 
it's it's like Roger's gory story of his dad's arm getting severed was yes. like the preparation for this. Yes. Which is very fun and well done. I just wrote what the actual fuck. Yeah. How did you feel when this happened? It was bizarre. Yeah. It's so not in keeping with this show. <laughs> To just have this cartoon comic book (laughs) moment of the four of them just standing there covered in blood. Yeah. Was ridiculous. Kind of fun and funny. Yeah. But ridiculous. It was ridiculous. They set it up with, like, why would there be a lawnmower in this office? Right. And that's believable. Yeah. Like, did you think it was cartoonish when Ken drove a lawnmower into the office? So that felt like, yeah. Especially with the antics that they do in this office. The way they're bragging, it's like you're supr- it's almost like they have just a big bell, like I made another sale. Well, right, and you know, they're they party in here all yes. the time. You know, this bullpen mm-hmm. is where they chase girls down and lift up their skirts. Exactly. And all sorts of crazy stuff happens in yeah. this office. So no, the fact that there was a lawnmower being driven yeah. when they got this account was not a surprise. And then the fact that they're all drunk. Right. Because Smitty, we see how drunk he is. And then when he goes to get another drink, he comes back with a lawnmower. Right. So it's the drunkest person there. Right. Um, at, well, maybe not. That's probably a hard <laughs> yeah. thing to determine. And then Peggy walks over and she just passes out. And Pete. Pete catches, catches her. her. We see uh, Joan immediately runs to help. Ken asks to call an ambulance. So Ken and Joan are like the most level-headed people in this whole damn yes. office. And Joan does fucking like wartime first aid on oh, yeah. this guy she's like there's a tourniquet in the first aid kit go how does she know where the tourniquet is because she is the office manager they she knows everything they need about this to office have a tourniquet and know where it is you that's never amazing know. listen for when these assholes are riding lawnmowers through yeah. here then yeah yeah and so she does like full-on first responder trauma care yeah to this guy and you know dipshit hooker uh, comes in. He's clearly been making out. He's got like lipstick all over his face. He's all disheveled, and everyone just watches as she fixes this tourniquet. And guy's yeah. just screaming. Oh, just losing his ever-loving mind. His yeah. foot is mangled. He's like, I can't feel it. I can't yeah. feel anything. There's a lot of screaming in this episode. It's, uh, it's wild. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. <laughs> but then we have a, a nice quiet scene. <laughs> yeah, it cuts from this with a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Because Don walks into the presidential suite at the Waldorf, and who does he run into? Who does he meet? Connie from the country club. What'd you think of that? I thought it was very cute. Wasn't it? Yeah. I really liked it. And you know what's interesting? Yeah. So he's like, you know, Draper walks in, and he's like, oh my god, it's Uh the country club guy. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry, I should have known. Like, when I met you that day (laughs) in the country club, I should have known that was you. Uh And he's like, eh, not till this comes out next week. And he holds up... (laughs) this like prototype cover of time magazine yeah so then i looked up this cover Mm -hmm. of time magazine and the actor that they got to play conrad Mm -hmm. hilton looks so much like the real conrad hilton yeah it was a great casting choice they got a good old white bald dude with the mustache with they yeah Mm -hmm. that was probably the hardest part to find it was yeah it was a real fun little because tweet because that was what three episodes ago Mm -hmm. and neither of them tell each other their last name and so it's almost like it's that rom-com where like the princess 
someone falls in love with her, but they don't know that she's a princess. Right, And right. so, like, that means that she can really trust them. Right. <laughs> so it's it's a real Prince and the Pauper situation right. here for Well, and he says, Connie. I mean, when, when he meets Connie and they're talking about how they grew up, you know, mm-hmm. Connie says something about how he grew up in Jersey. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's true. Okay, so you Look looked into him. Conrad Hilton. What yes. did you learn about Conrad Hilton? Well, oh, no, not New Jersey, New Mexico. Even better. Even better. Pretty much the same thing. Though. As a young boy, uh-huh. Hilton developed entrepreneurial skills working at his father's general store okay. in Socorro County, New Mexico, which was partially converted into a 10-room hotel. <laughs> and that was how he started his whole he would. hotel scheme. That guy loves hotels. Yeah. He, he was married to Zsa Zsa Gabor for a while. That's fancy. Yeah. He was married to Mary Adelaide Barron. They had three children, Conrad Hilton Jr., Baron Hilton, and Eric Hilton. Baron Hilton yes. is Paris Hilton's grandfather. Okay, that's where we yes. see the connection between things that matter to us. Yes. So Conrad Hilton, mm-hmm. the, the OG Hilton, yeah. was Paris Hilton's great-grandfather. And that's what makes her our obsession. Yes. He died uh, in 1979 at the age mm-hmm. of 91. Hmm. So he was married to Adelaide Baron until mm-hmm. 1966. So yeah. he was still married to her in this ep. Yeah. Then he married Zsa Zsa Gabor. Nice. They had one child. No. Wait a minute. No, never mind. Sorry. Mary Adelaide died in 1966. They divorced in 1934. In 1942, Conrad Hilton marries Zsa Zsa Gabor. Okay. We're going to have to do another organizational chart. They divorced in 1947. Then he marries Mary Frances Kelly. Now. Yeah. Their marriage lasted for three years. Yeah. Until he died at the age of 91. So 1976 and 1979 when he dies. Mary died in 2006 at the age of 90. So in 1976, Mm. she was what? 50? 1976 to 2006? How old was she? If she was was 90 in 2006. The way you're asking this question is making my brain hurt. My brain also hurts. So that's what? 30 years? 30. So she was 60. 60 And she married an almost 90 year old man. Get it, girl. Hard to say. I mean, like, good for both of them. Good for both of them. Because it's like, when you're 60, and you find someone to spend the rest of the next three years with. When you find Hilton money to marry? Yeah. Then that's great. And when you're 90, and you go for someone who's not in their 20s, even though you've got the money for it. Yeah. Good for both of you. You know what? Get it, Conrad. And get it, Mary. All right. So, that's the Conrad Hilton we know and love. (laughs) He called around and had a long chat. He said he told people he had a long chat with a handsome fella from Sterling Cooper, and, his, and Don's name never came up because apparently Don doesn't have long chats with people. <laughs> I like to think they were like, uh, no one like that around here. Right. <laughs> we know, we've got a handsome guy from Sterling Cooper who hates human beings. <laughs> yeah, who speaks in monosyllabic two-word <laughs> sentences. Exactly. <laughs> and Don, uh, he asks Don... To, like, give him a free consultation, especially essentially on some ads. Yeah. And Don resists, but the way he's prodded, it's like, hey, bud, you do this for free, and, like, I can make things happen for you. Right. Like, you are going to get something out of this. I'm not asking just for free work here. Right. You're not an intern. And uh, it's it's all these little cartoon bumpkin mice 
in a hotel? It's City Mouse and Country Mouse. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, so there's the City Mouse who's at the hotel, and there's the Country Mouse who's at the hotel. It's like twin advertisements. I didn't look that closely. Yeah. But it's it's cute. It's cute. But Don, very, like, just arrows, bullseyes, targets. Yeah. That no one wants to see a mouse in a hotel. (laughs) Nobody wants to think about a mouse in a hotel. Especially a fancy hotel. No. No. And... Connie's like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Like, he doesn't say anything. He's just like, well, that was my idea. What do you got? Yeah. He says he'd like uh, a chance at Hilton's business. Well, because Connie says, what do you want? Yeah. And Don says, I'm not going to lie. I'd love a chance at your business. But Connie says he should think better, bigger. Next time someone like me asks you a question like that, you need to think bigger. You really should. Yeah. And then Don goes into this just like off the cuff metaphor about snakes. Of course he does. That he just had ready to go. He goes on a donologue. He has a, a little brief donologue that snakes, there are some of them that go months without eating, and when they do eat, they're so hungry that they suffocate. Yeah. One opportunity at a time. Yeah. And then the secretary interrupts to tell Don that there's a call. There's an emergency call. It's a bit of an emergency. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> and we find out later, like, it is Joan on the phone. Yes, which is cool. Who had it's called? No one else. It's like Don. Joan, like, knew that Don needed to know. Right. And tracked him down and found him. Right. Which is cool. So then we go, we're in an office. Oh, God. Harry and Paul are in their undershirts because they're, you know, dress shirts. Is this Pete's office? Because it's the same glass Mm -hmm. windows behind the couch. I mean, I guess a lot of the offices are set up this way. I'm not 100% sure. I I didn't catch it. It, Okay. It very well may be Pete's office. Because... I'm not sure. I feel like she crashed into Don's office because mm. she crashed into a couch that was on the side. Mm. And Don has that extra long office, whereas Pete and Peggy's offices have the ca- have like that wall where Don's couch is, is where Pete and Peggy's desks are. Right. Where, all right. Peggy's desk is on that wall. Pete's is against the other the outside windows. window. Yeah. And so is Paul's. Yeah. Because we saw him on the right. desk troubadouring. Right, right, right. So they're in somebody's probably. office. Yeah. Perfect. So glad we went through that. <laughs> and they're giving Smitty a what for. Yeah. Because they look untrustworthy now. Right. But Smitty blames Lois. I didn't know she didn't know how to drive. <laughs> and Ken says, you have to respect the equipment. It's very safe when handled correctly. Right. And meanwhile, uh-huh. what's happening behind them? Is it like a maid is washing the office window it's from the, the outside? the janitor. Mm-hmm. And just like... Blood is just dripping down. It's just disgusting. It's a lot like what we saw in Betty's dream when she saw her father mopping, mopping. blood. Mm-hmm. I can't say that they have any relationship, right. but they did happen in sequential episodes. Right. So Quentin yeah. Tarantino, someone must have been watching some gory movies. Oh, yeah. Kill Bill or something. They were all up in Kill Bill. And it reminded me of like the old school chalkboards where you have the big mm. wet sponge mm. and you're just wa- washing yeah. back and forth and the chalk dust yeah. is like dripping down. But it was blood. But it was absolutely blood. Harry yeah. looks faint and Roger tells him to sit down, Mary. Well, yeah. Yep. Harry tells... I, I did write one one line. Harry, uh, Harry says to Smitty, we had the world handed to us on a plate. Then you swing in on a chandelier, drop your pants, and crap on it. Yep. So <laughs> Roger says, Jesus, it's like Iwo Jima out there because there's just blood and guts. Yeah, everywhere. We should put down a rubber mat so Cooper can get around. Are you right? <laughs> 
And Pete says we're changing yeah. the carpeting. Um, we find out that he might lose his foot. And, and Roger says, right when he got it at the door. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Oh, God. There's a lot of comedy that comes from this whole I situation. I a lot in that, this episode. Yeah, I had to pause and laugh at that one. That is so good. <laughs> Ken says that he takes full responsibility for it because it was his lawnmower. He brought the goddamn machine yeah. in here. But Roger says, believe me, somewhere in this business, this has happened before. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. What does that mean? That yeah, literally nothing somewhere... Nothing under the sun. Right? Someone else. mowed down, literally. <laughs> Probably. Well. So then we see Joan is putting a dime in a Dr. Pepper machine. It's a very mm-hmm. cool old machine. It's very cool. I also want it. It had a built-in bottle cap opener. Mm-hmm. You have to open up. You put a dime in. You open a little door. Get your drink. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's on the honor system where you oh, take how many you take. Like a newspaper. Yeah. And then it's got a little pop thing. I... On eBay, these go for about ten grand. Okay. So I'm probably not going to get one. You can also get like a set of five of different drinks for like Ooh. ninety grand. Okay, that seems well. I guess there the math doesn't add up. It's not an exact system. Okay. It depends on the seller and the quant- uh, quality. I okay. Suppose. All right. So I'm not getting one anytime soon. But okay. they're in a hospital waiting room, and Don comes in. And her beautiful and- green dress is ruined. <laughs> I know she's. He says, "My God." And it's like, that's the first thing Don has seen of yeah. blood. And her dress just has blood all over All it. over, because she was being a goddamn Florence Nightingale. Was Bobby's stained shirt the, like, antecedent oh. to Don's, to, what's her name, stained dress? No, that's just Betty being a terrible mother. But, like, artistically speaking, Maybe. can we please? Okay, the, yes. Even the fact that, I think the top of, Don, of Bobby's shirt was actually a red stain. I don't remember it that closely. But I'm, I'm going to say you're right. I, uh, Mad Men loves to put things, parallels in, as you know. I, if anybody knows. And they seem to like to prepare you yeah. for something, setting the groundwork for things. So yeah, Joan's like, I know, it's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> she's done with the blood, but she's sad about the dress. She is just like spent. Yeah. She is exhausted. She's drinking a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. She well, t- she didn't think that Don was actually going to show up. And she, she wasn't expecting him to come to the actual yeah. hospital. Because she thought he was just going to die. Oh, yeah. she she When I called you, I mm-hmm. thought he might die. Yeah. So, like, in that case, probably wouldn't need to come to the hospital at all. Nope. Uh, he is going to lose the foot. And so Dawn is waiting with Joan. There's a big bag of her going away gifts. So I guess she took those with her to the hospital. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Like, in between them, there's mm-hmm. an empty chair. There's... No one is sitting in the chair between them. It has her purse and a big bag, and it's full of gifts. Gotcha. Don tells her that despite the circus today, uh, I hope you know you're going to be terribly missed. And she says that's nice to hear, especially from you. I bet he feel, felt great when he woke up this morning. <laughs> but that's life. One minute you're on top of the world. The next minute some secretary is running you over with a lawnmower. <laughs> and the two of them giggle. It's such a good moment. Yeah. Because no one liked this guy. Right. And everyone is just a little bit happy that he got his foot run over with the lawnmower. (laughs) But it turns out, like, it's even more damning than just losing your foot. Yeah. Because Lane and Sinjin and Ford come in. They thank Joan for saving his life, but then they start speaking of him like he's dead. (laughs) He was a great account man. A real prodigy could talk a Scotsman out of a penny, and now that's all over. Don says, I don't know if that's true. Well, 
he's missing a foot. How can he work? The doctor said he'll never golf again. <laughs> that might be the best line in all of Mad Men. I really love it. That might be the best line. Yeah. It, because Sinjin, with a full, serious... Oh, yeah. Like, this is the end. It's the end. The doctors say he'll never golf again. <laughs> oh, my God. And Don's super surprised. And I wonder if, like, this is the first... So, once again, Lane taking off his glasses, Paul right. shaving his beard... If you don't have a foot, if you don't you're have not going to make it in this business. There's no way. You cannot be our chief executive officer mm-hmm. without a foot. No, sir. So I wonder if Don is, like, feeling a small amount of what Betty feels about being judged on your looks. Because mm-hmm. that's essentially what this is. Mm-hmm. Is, like, him realizing, oh, I look like Superman. Maybe that's part of why I have my job, you right. know? Like, if your looks... Not that that's, like, a necessarily an overt thing, but... Right. I just think it's interesting that this is the first time looks on a man have been introduced. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks. More like just full-bodiedness. Right. Whole ability. Right. It's very ableist, frankly. It's very ableist. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty rough. These friggin' Brits. Lane is chipper again because he will remain indefinitely. Indefinitely. And they will reimburse Joan for the dress as a token of gratitude. <laughs> she saved a man's life and oh. they'll pay her for the dress. Good lord. And Don tells her that he should get home. She should get home to that lucky husband. And he just kisses. She kisses Don on the cheek. Yep. And she shakes Lane's hand. Wasn't she that gives sweet? Him a sweet? Oh, yeah. It was very sweet. They're sweet together. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. And also, also, she gets a hundred more strumpet trumpets. Burp, 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 burp. Yes, for sure. For just jumping in there and turn a kitten up that man. Yeah. I wonder if her kiss on the cheek, if she felt like the smoothness of the professional shave, too. I don't know. Don has, like, another cheek moment with another nice lady. All right. Lane buys Don a Dr. Pepper and tells him that he's been reading Tom Sawyer mm-hmm. to get in the American state of mind. And he feels like he just went to his own funeral and he didn't like the eulogy. And it wasn't great. No. No. He was being unceremoniously kicked out. To lands unknown. To India. Yeah. And the way it's announced is a fucking snake in a basket. Yeah. Like a... A snake coming out and biting you, like, that's a thing that you do to your enemy, is you hide a cobra in a basket and let it surprise them. Yeah. That is really mean. It was mean. (laughs) Yeah. So Don comes home in the daytime. Impressive. No, it wasn't. It was nighttime. it was nighttime. All right, never mind. Don comes home in the nighttime, and what does he find in the bushes? He finds the Barbie with her little legs sticking out. How'd she end up there? Well, Sally probably tossed her out the window. Probably. He brings it in. And, like the good dad he is, puts it on Sally's dresser. And I wrote, she's going to freak out. <laughs> right? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Uh, freaked my kids out? With, yeah. Purposefully? Yeah. I don't think so. All right. I used fine. to, for now, I used to freak my friends out. Yeah. And my ex-husband, because we used to have a life-size cardboard cutout uh-huh. of Daryl from The Walking Dead. Okay. And not that his image necessarily is creepy, mm-hmm. but... You know, when you're not expecting to find yes. a full-grown man, dirty and covered yeah. in blood, in your shower. Uh-huh. And you pull back the curtain and there yeah. he is. That's a little scary. That'll have an effect. When you come home late at night and mm-hmm. you just see something backlit and you see the shadow yes. of a man standing in your living room. Yeah. That's a little creepy. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you're walking down the hallway to mm-hmm. pee. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the hall yes. is a full-grown man. So that was fun. Yeah, I would... Terrifying uh, people in that way. I have kicked you out of my home... <laughs> 
<laughs> a lot. A long, long time now, ago. Now, I will say it was reciprocal. Okay. So it was like an ongoing, you I got would as good also. As you yeah. Right, right, right. We have that at my work. There's a little gnome that's named Chauncey okay. that shows up in people's offices. Nice. It's not as scary, though. I actually meant to replace it in someone's office, but. Well, you need to. Uh, You'll be re-inspired now after this conversation. I absolutely will. Good. Um, See if you can find it in such a way that it will scare someone. See, I don't have the same impulse as you, because I am so incredibly anti-prank, and and I I consider scares pranks, like they're just meaner pranks. Scares are pranks, yeah, yeah, for sure. But anytime someone is making me believe something that's not true, Mm -hmm. it's like a form of gaslighting that makes me enraged. Oh. Yeah, I really don't like pranks. Okay. It's hard to tell someone that, because it's like telling someone you don't like being tickled, because then they'll do it. Uh. But just keep in mind, I will end our relationship <laughs> if you choose to prank me okay but now what about pranks that are fully harmless and they don't make you th- okay so like the prank where you fill somebody's room with balloons mm-hmm. like so you open up your bedroom door mm-hmm. and it's full of balloons are you standing there waiting for my reaction would that be better or worse it would be much worse oh well i mean not necessarily no i mean if if i come home and i don't think i'm gonna be murdered Okay. But there is like something whimsical that I didn't expect. Uh-huh. And I can quickly figure out this is how someone got into my home to do this. Then maybe I will feel good, feel okay with it. Because I can process it on my own. If you are looking at me with like, you're a like waiting for weird the reaction. grin and you know something mm-hmm. and then my surprise makes you happy, <laughs> I will kick you out of my home and take the keys from you. Is that clear? I would just say error on the side of no surprises. <laughs> no surprises whatsoever. No pranks. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> it's just the way I am. So, so April Fool's Day is a rough day for you. What day? April Fool's Day. I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't, like, I don't have anyone who has tried to prank me. Okay. And I'm sitting you down now because you are someone who <laughs> would try to prank me. And I need you to know this. I'm not actually much of a prankster. Every mm. April Fool's, I wish that mm-hmm. I, it's like April 3rd at midnight 30. And I'm right. like, fuck, I wish I could prank somebody. But I don't have anything. I don't think of anything. Do Everything I come up with is lame. Like March 31st at midnight What 30? did I say? You said April 3rd. That's not what I meant. Which is like so far past <laughs> regretting April Fool's Day. It's. It's like, you've got a real problem. I was saying April Fool's, and I was hearing mm. April 4th. It, like, okay, in my brain, that. something happened in there. I, I, I actually totally get that. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we know we know that Barbie on the dresser is going to freak Sally out. Yeah. So then, it's just a waiting game. We see Don undressing in the dark uh, in his bedroom. Betty's sleeping, and yeah. then the shrieking starts. Yep. And Don comes in and comforts her, and it's actually really sweet the way he comforts He's her. He's very sweet to her. He's, like, starting to be a good daddy He is see. In this scene, yeah. I literally wrote, Don is a better parent than Betty. Oh, 100% in 100%. this situation. Yeah, and and just, like, across the board these days. Because what is Betty's reaction? She's pissed. She literally goes and gets, because the baby wakes up. Right. And he... Your lingo prediction is correct. Yeah. There's a full-on whack. Yep. And she just comes in and just, like, glares 
at mm-hmm. Sally, like, look what you've done. Mm-hmm. It just says that. Like, you see what you've done. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, because, so she walks in with the baby. Yeah. Sally had calmed down a little bit. She sees the baby. Now she's screaming even more. Yeah. The dog walks in. Polly starts barking. Yeah, it's chaos. Mm-hmm. It is not a calming no. moment. And Betty's like, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. What is in, what is wrong with you, <laughs> Sally? She leaves. And, you know, tends to the kid that she actually likes. Right. Don is like, Sally, tell me what is actually happening. Right. And Sally says, it's Grandpa Gene. He's not supposed to be here anymore. He's called Gene. He sleeps in his room. He looks just like him, <laughs> which is very funny. <laughs> I thought that was adorable because little babies do look like old men. Yeah. It was adorable. And uh, and when he starts to talk, I bet he's going to sound just like him, too. Yeah. Which is really a terrifying thought. Yeah. That, like, she actually thinks that this little Benjamin Button baby grandpa has shown up and she's scared. She's scared. It's not like it's a good thing. No. Like, both she and Betty see this baby as, like, Jean reincarnated. Right. But it's, and also kind of Don. Right. Because Don hates this kid's name. Right. Well, and that's really, Mm -hmm. I mean, because she even says, you told me, you know, he's not supposed to be here anymore. Yeah. So you said when people die, they go away forever. Yeah. And now here's this fucking person with his name in his room. Yeah. Looking like an old man. Right. This is creepy. Yeah. And this Barbie that he gave me that I tossed out the window is now back on my dresser. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's really creepy. Don tells her he's a baby. That's it. He says there's no such thing as ghosts. Yeah. So Don tells her there's no such thing as ghosts and then goes in to talk to Betty mm-hmm. and tells Betty he didn't like the name. Like, we can't keep going on like this. Well, he says this has to stop. And yeah. she says there's nothing I can do. She's jealous of her little brother. Yeah. And he's like, she's not jealous. Mm-hmm. She's scared. And it's all because he has that name. And yeah. this is when Betty gets pissed. She's like, you never liked it. Now mm-hmm. you're bringing her into this. It's a she'll get over it Mm -hmm. you have to get over it it was my father's name and that's how you keep the memory alive but the memory was he hated me and i hated him yeah that's the memory and then sally comes in to apologize this is another example of sally like no one had to tell her to apologize she was being very sweet yeah and this is all to say all of these little behavioral things she's doing i don't necessarily know that they're healthy but she's at least she has started to do them right like she's growing up and maturing a little bit yeah and Don takes her to see Jean and, like, kind of immersion therapies her a little bit mm-hmm. and just says that this is your little brother. He's only a baby and we don't know who he is yet or who he's going to be. And that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. That is a nice thing about babies. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice way to look at them that they like, you know, your preconceived notions. We have a lot of preconceived notions about people. Yeah. And a lot of them, like, we are right you know if you see certain types of people because they've made themselves a certain way obviously a lot of them are wrong right (laughs) most of the time but it's a sweet thing and then the final song was song to woody guthrie uh which is off of bob dylan's first album see now when it started i was like i bet this is a bob dylan song hey and then i said something 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 woody guthrie and i was like maybe it's a woody guthrie song and then i was like that doesn't make any sense. He wouldn't no. sing a song to himself. So look at me knowing that it was Bob Dylan, That's even really without good knowing that it was Bob Dylan. Yeah. And Bob Dylan's voice comes in a lot of different flavors. Apparently. So you were able to identify that one. I was. That album, uh, it's called Bob Dylan. It's not, it's kind of like his first pancake album. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of covers, but that's a song. He, 
is from Minnesota. When he went to New York, a part of it was like, I'm going to go find my hero, Woody Guthrie, who oh. was a generation before him. Right. And I think, I don't know if it was during this song. There's another song where he wrote it when like Woody Guthrie was in the hospital. Because I think mm. he died. When did Woody Guthrie die? That might be the answer. No. Scratch that. Woody Guthrie died in 1967. Okay. Um, I don't, I honestly, I listened to the song and I tried to figure out why that song would be put here. Mm, yes. But I don't know. And I didn't read the article. So everyone <laughs> can just appreciate the fact that there is a Woody Guthrie song. A Bob Dylan song. I was going to say, it's not a Woody Guthrie song. About a funny old world that's coming along. I'm going to see it. New places and people and things. Poppers. Peasants, princes, okay. kings. So, that's the end of the episode. Whew! What'd you think of it? Holy cannoli. Holy cannoli. We hit full doozy. Full I mean, throttle doozy. You can't, you can't be any percentage <laughs> less doozy yeah. when there's literally people covered in blood. Yeah. Blood being washed da- down off the windows. Yeah. There is a full-on manglement. Yeah, there's a manglement. <laughs> <laughs> so does that does that mean 100%? 100%. Yeah, I would call it 103% doozy. 103% yeah. doozy. All right. And what would you rate this episode? I'm going to give it a 9.92. Oh, my. Um, 9.92 ruined green dresses mm, only one of those will be compensated yeah. by yeah sterling cooper right i yeah. wrote ruined grass <laughs> is that what you said no, no but that's all right i want it to stay all right it's a good thing i'm writing it down because once again we use these right well uh with those two excellent numbers 103 percent and 9.92 out of 10 <laughs> I love your math skills. Thank you. Yakety Sacks. Ashley predicts for season three, episode seven. Oh, boy. That's like halfway through this season already. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild banana pants. Wild banana pants. Yeah. All right. Well, clearly Joan isn't actually leaving. Okay. We know that. Mm-hmm. But she still hasn't told anybody that she needs to come back. Mm-hmm. So she's... Trying to camouflage. Okay. She's still in the office, but she mm-hmm. is is finding different um, disguises. Ooh. So one day she comes in dressed as a Xerox machine. <laughs> yeah. She has taken cardboard boxes from, mm-hmm. you know, out back and yeah. created this costume. Um, another day she comes in as a giant bottle of liquor, <laughs> rolls in on a dolly. She's got... The figure for it. She sure does. <laughs> so she's still coming into the office until eventually mm-hmm. Peggy yes. notices. Because, you know, she's the only one who really sees Joan. True. Or it's either Peggy or Don, but Don is a little distracted by other things, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. Okay. okay. So I think it's Peggy. Yeah. Because she really sees Joan and she's like, Joni, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? And uh, that's when Joan admits that she has still been coming to work, mm-hmm. that she actually still does need this job, and okay. she'll be back. All right. Poor Joan. Poor Joan. Swallows her pride. Don. Don. Is being courted now by both PPP, mm-hmm. 
Okay. And Connie Hilton. <gasps> All right. And they both think that he's incredibly sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and they both want to make him the president of whatever respective organizations. Okay. And Don is really torn about this. Mm-hmm. Because he feels some sort, some sense of loyalty to Sterling and mm-hmm. Cooper. Yeah. But Hilton's fucking Hilton. Right. And Connie's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's he, a, he thinks about it. He's a guy he can really respect yeah. as his boss. It ends, the episode ends on a cliffhanger moment. Okay. Where Don is in the middle of Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. And Conrad Hilton is at one end and PPP is at the other. And they're both calling to him like a dog. Like, Don! Here, Don! Come on! Uh-huh. And and we try and see which way he's going to go. Okay. Is it, are either of them shaking a bottle of whiskey at him? <laughs> yes but i won't tell you which one okay all right see that's the kind of surprise i like yeah i like a i can't give it all away i appreciate that you're welcome (laughs) guy Uh uh-huh is so furious yeah a he lost his foot Mm -hmm. and b he lost his future (gasps) yeah and he becomes an additional son of sam Oh, my God. You didn't know that there were British ones. Holy smokes. But he doesn't end up going back to London. He thinks about it. Mm-hmm. But he has unfinished business in New York. Yeah. Something was stolen from him, and now he's going to steal things <laughs> from other people. Uh-huh. Their lives. He's going to steal their lives. That's what he's going to steal from yeah. them? Mm-hmm. Wow. It takes a while for him to get back up on his feet. Pun intended. Hey! <laughs> Where are you, Roger? <laughs> um, but once he does, he... Just starts murdering people. Okay. Yeah. And eventually he and Pete meet up. Okay. In this Sons of Sam scenario. Mm-hmm. And they become the two most powerful Sams. Yeah. The two most powerful Sams. Yeah. That is an episode I can't That's wait to see. That's a great one. And the lingo mm-hmm. for the next episode is... Joan? <laughs> <laughs> You said it, and I was looking down, and then I look up to see if you're going to keep talking and just, like, looking at me. Like, yep, that's it, bitch. Yeah, Joan, question mark. I, I really, honestly, <laughs> I think you're doing a great job with lingo, because you've, like, gone back to the most simple possible possibilities. And, I mean, wow was just as correct as it's a guess. Let's be uh, frank. It really was. You nailed it. Now, listen, in the next step, if somebody says her name as a statement mm-hmm. and not as a question, yeah. it won't count. Okay. It's only if they say, Joan? I can't wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. All right. Well, those are our predictions and our lingo. Yeah. Also a prediction. <laughs> For next episode, and I can't wait I, to watch it. Nor can I. And record this with you. I'm excited. I have a feeling we're probably, like, all of the weird scheduling stuff is over now. Well. We're totally, okay. there's nothing big on the horizon. There's nothing coming down the pike I don't have anything weeks. to do in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, listener, we'll tell you later. Um, <laughs> but we appreciate everyone listening now and forever please <laughs> tell your friends uh to subscribe to us tell Leave your us a f- friends tell your neighbors tell your yeah. enemies yeah listen if you think our show sucks mm-hmm. tell your enemies that you think it's great yes and sick us on the people you dislike exactly 
But then the people you do like, if we are one of them, share us with them. I missed <laughs> the subject of that sentence. That's okay. And hit five stars on iTunes. Comment with Com- nice words. Yeah. Uh, like us and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. There's some good stuff that you put out there, Catherine. I really enjoy the Instagram stuff. I love it. It's a good time. <laughs> Until next time. Merry, Merry Mad Men to all and to all a good night. night. Thank you for listening to Mad Women. Mad Women is engineered by Ashley Davis, music by Kate E. Britt, and graphics by Dylan Anderson. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RadMadWomen. Production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.